Hey, welcome to Anarchy to Diapers. Today's episode is a Zoom chat with my oldest friend, Rob. When this guy wasn't in my life, because his journeys took him to the other side of the country, California, I ended up joining a cult. A fucking cult, do you believe that? And then just as I was exiting this cult, he moved back to New York. We became roommates. He met his wife. I met my wife. We started our careers. So I've done a lot of growing with this guy. And today we sit down and have a conversation. It was a freestyle, although he would prefer a set subject. But I told him, don't worry, we'll find something to talk about. And we did. So here's one of my favorite people in the world. Rob, the teacher, the philosopher, my friend. Enjoy the conversation. Anarchy to diapers, bitches! So you're a philosopher? Yes. Yes. I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think I think I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Mental health, I mean, I could only imagine right now mental health is under serious serious duress you know with all the stuff going on but yeah go for it man what were you gonna say yeah absolutely like you know being locked in your house constantly and uh like yeah feeling isolated more than ever you know and uh for someone who sometimes struggles with depression this isn't always a helpful uh for me yeah yeah well that you know if you're already struggling with mental illness or you know anxiety depression bipolar whatever it might be and then you know you throw into that mix uh, the pandemic and then you throw on top of that the economic crisis right now and then you throw on top of that the social crisis and then you t- throw on top of that the environmental crisis uh yeah it's it's pretty scary stuff i don't know i don't know man um, all I could say is I'm reading everything I can get my hands on, watching stuff, just trying to make sense of what's going on and trying to figure out how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, so I, I just recently just signed off of Facebook for a bit because uh, the uh, social unrest, would that be right? And social unrest or the social yeah. divide where like it's like, you know, um, obviously... I'm from a, a suburban community, so I know a lot of police officers. They're uh, part of my community. They're my son's uh, friend's parents, and I get along yeah. with them. My uh, Some of my friends are cops. And, uh, yeah. you know, you do a post about, like, um, you know, just keep in mind who the oppressed are. Or instantly they think, like, uh, you know, that means you're a cop kill. You're, you're for killing cops. Oh, so you think cops should get shot in the head? It's like, no, no. I'm just saying... You know, minorities shouldn't get choked out when they're cuffed for no reason. <laughs> you know, like, just because I don't want somebody to die, you know, doesn't mean I want cops to die. I don't want anyone to die. Can we work this out? <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that because, uh, like, when I saw you, I saw that you said you were signing off Facebook for a while. I was literally thinking the same exact thing, like, the day before. And then I saw you say it, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I decided to do the same thing. Like, I didn't look at it yesterday. I haven't looked at it today. Um, and I think the same thing prompted me to, to stop as, as, uh, as what prompted you to stop. 
uh, I'm not going to tell you the name, but there's, there's a person that I'm friends with that I've known since uh, high school who's a cop. And, uh, you know, I've gotten into some, some discussions uh, with her about, about all these issues that are going on right now, Black Lives Matter, and that we need police reform. I think I actually posted something. Bernie Sanders had posted something on Facebook like it was a proposal for, for police reforms. And he said he was going to hand it over to Chuck Schumer. So I read through it and it was pretty extensive. Uh, and I thought, well, at least this is something solid. I've shared that thing online and I said, you know, call your local representatives and, and ask them to support this, you know, the stuff that Bernie Sanders was, was proposing. And some of it included like taking away the immunity clause for police officers. Uh, federal fund, federal funding for police officers. There was, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff in there, and um, I got some pretty, you know, pretty defensive responses from this friend that I was talking about, and I just didn't even think about that. It heated up pretty quickly, and it's and I started to notice that everything I was saying, she was taking offense to. And um, I just couldn't believe it. I, like, I took extra precaution to try to be respectful of, of the police and inclusive. And it just, it didn't seem to matter. It was a total like dig in us versus them. Like <clears throat> the police are fighting for you. And, and you know, if you're going to turn your back on the police kind of thing, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, like suddenly I felt like I was like on the outside. Like I was, I was picking a fight with, with, with the police force, you know, at least, at least in theory. And that, that felt pretty terrible. And I did my absolute best to try to like, not, you know, <clears throat> not destroy that relationship. Um, and it's funny because I kept, you know, as I kept responding and I would try to bring it back and, and she would get frustrated and say, well, you know, what really needs to happen is people need to go into, you know, to ride along with cops and see what they deal with every day. And then towards the end of the last, uh, one of the last communiques, <clears throat> excuse me, that we had, she said something about, well, your, your ideas are so liberal. And then it finally, it, it hit me, like I'm really thick sometimes. And I'm like, oh my God, like the fact, just the fact that my ideas are liberal is an affront to people who belong to the police force. Like that in and of itself seems like a, a, a threat to them. And I could, you know, it was hard for me to wrap my head around it. And it made me really sad when I thought about it. And then I, um, I, I tried to look it up and see what, you know, typically what do police, uh, members of the police force, what do they uh, affiliate with? And from what I could see, I mean, I could be wrong, but it seems that they are extremely Republican. In, in ideology. Is that your experience as well? I was saying to someone else the other day, uh, my good friend who's a city cop who uh, I was supposed to take the test with him and uh, I didn't sign up. I bailed out. Like mm -hmm. the police force is not for me. I'm anti-authorian, authoritarian. I was going to do it because uh, I needed a job and that's not the reason to go into the police, you know, force. You need to want to be a police officer. You want to need to protect and serve. And, um, you know, with that being said, you know, you're talking early 2000s. My friend was walking the beat and he stopped doing marijuana callers, collars. And um, 
you know, they gave him a hard time about it. And uh, it put his ass in a sling a lot of times because he's just like, whatever, these kids are hanging out in the corner, they're smoking. I see them all the time. They're not getting into trouble. I know what they're up to. And believe it or not, a lot of times they kind of drop the dime on people on what's going on in the neighborhood. Like, oh yeah, watch out over here. These guys are fucking causing trouble. You know, these guys are doing this. And they're just regular kids. Instead of going down to the beach and uh, smoking or drinking, they're doing it on the corner. It it gave him a lot of problems. And, you know, obviously, you know, um, I would say he's very conservative, my friend. But he's also like, whatever, it's marijuana. Like, alcohol's legal. But that's not a that even back then that wasn't a general um, opinion of all the police officers. It is still a drug, and that's also a collar. Of course, I mean you know you said it's funny because you said you're anti-authority, so you know being in the police force wouldn't be the right place for you. But like ironically, I think that would be the ideal place for you. Like people like you are the kinds of people that we need in the police force and unfortunately we get people in the police force who want to go in and kick people's asses to keep people in line and that's not what a police force should be well i think that's goes back to the republican ideology rule the house with an iron fist like you go to church you'll go to school you're fucking grounded like you know instead of like you know your kids say something off color like uh you know, exploring that idea with them, or uh, like I don't, I choose that there's no bad words in my house. You know, granted, my son doesn't curse. He started saying "sucks," and my wife's like, "That's a bad word." And I said, "It's not a bad word. It's just a bad choice of words. There's no bad words. Like words hold nothing, really. You know, what, what defines sucks? Then, uh, oh, that's the pets. Not really. It's it still means the same thing." It's just a bad way of expressing yourself is how I choose to deal with it with my son. And he starts moving on from it right away. It's not like, uh, you know, once you tell him it's a bad word, it's not taboo. Like, ooh, oh, I'll put that in the pocket for when I need to use it. Like, I just take away the power of the word. I mean, you're talking to a guy who basically uh, adores profanity. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I have embraced profanity since I was young. and. Uh, I think, I, I I don't know if I'm making this up in my head, but part of me feels like that's kind of my, it's it's one one way in which you can resist um, the hierarchy. You know, one way you can kind of resist the uh, the elitism that, that oppresses the, most of the people in this country. Um, because, you know, when you think about it, right, when you're using curse words, it's like, immediately people look down on you like oh you must be of lower class or poorly educated right it's just another class structure to kind of put people in a place and it's like i refuse to conform to that you know it's sort i mean i i've used curse words it's funny i've used like i'll be in a meeting at work with teachers you know i'm a teacher and I'm using, you know, not not excessive amounts of curses. I mean, I'm not crazy, but, you know, I'll throw in a curse here and there, um, you know, if it's kind of a casual conversation. And people, you know, they're a little bit like, oh, my God, you know, like you could tell it's like, wow, this guy is, is using these words like, in, in a, you know. It's like he's using it like it's okay. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, no, you don't get to tell me. You don't get to control my fucking language. You know what I mean? You don't get to control this. You control how I, what I wear. You know, you control how people act. It's like you want to control the language too. 
And it's like, I, I, I embrace that. It's the kind of rebellious spirit in profanity. I think if you can take profanity and, and be eloquent at the same time, I think you've got it all. You've got it all. Right. If you, I, I think you, you're, I think you're a hundred percent right to be eloquent and then to occasionally drop an F-bomb is very powerful. And that's why, like, with my son, I don't want him to, like, get caught into using that power word right away as a young child. Like, as he gets older, he wants to drop F-bombs? Dude, now's the time to do it. But I just want him to expand his vocabulary instead of just making that quick jump right to F-bombs because then uh, sometimes you get stuck in that track of, uh, I need a power word. Fuck! You know what I mean? And I just don't want him to be such a dude. I want him to be able to really express himself. And then when he needs to seal the deal with an F-bomb, he'll let him drop it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine a scenario where there's like a politician, right, who sees just egregious injustices and he's just like, no, no, this is bullshit, right? If they said that word, like, people would take notice. Yeah, yeah, the TV would start smoking. More genuine about it. And not only that, but they're putting their reputation online to express their disgust. I think that says something about people. Like, obviously, right, if you come out and you're like, oh, this fucking, like, you sound like that, right? Nobody's going to listen to you. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, if, uh, like, Barack Obama had said something like that, you know, when he got angry when they were attacking his wife or something like that, I would, I, I, that would have held some weight. I would say, all right, yeah, he's, this guy's really angry. You know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Or just, even if one of the police commissioners come out and say, you know, what happened to George Floyd is fucking disgraceful. I'd be like, God damn, this guy's serious. Like, he he knows how bad this is. Right. Like, he has just crossed the line of of what's, you know, socially acceptable, right? To to show you how disgusting he is. Like, yeah, it's... uh, language is uh yeah it's part of the power structure basically like there's a language that you use when you're part of the elites and there's a language that you don't use and it's like uh, you know I, I don't know i mean we could i here's the other thing i have i it's like i'm talking about hey why are why are black people being exp- treated this way? Why are they being oppressed this way? Why is why is the entire working class being destroyed right right? Like, why are people being treated this way? And I'm talking about this. And someone in the suburbs who has kids is more concerned about their kids using curse words. I'm not talking about you. But (laughs) they choose to make that their crusade. And it's like, how fucking superficial can you be? Like, that is not really the you know, as far as like depth of, of like, impact on society, right? that's that that's not really that powerful right like what what do you this is it's like it's like somebody's murdering somebody and you're worried about how they're dressed while they're murdering make sure you look good while you're doing it it's like with people protesting i mean walking the streets people like you know they're like mad that they're inconvenienced and they have to go around like oh the fucking closed down sunrise highway now i have to drive like 10 minutes out of my way Yo, someone was killed in, yes. in a horrific manner where they were cuffed. They couldn't defend themselves, nor could they hurt anyone. And your big problem is that you're inconvenienced going to 7-Eleven? Oh, no. Dude, yeah, I was, uh, I was talking to somebody 
like two days ago and they were we were talking about um Colin Kaepernick, right? The football yeah, player. Sure. Huh? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, you know, no. you know, you know, you know who Colin Kaepernick is. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the outrage of? Oh yeah. When he was interrupting their sacred game, right? Like it was appalling, right? Like who the fuck is this guy? This is a game. You're just a player, and and I was like, okay, so so you're saying that he's a player and this is in the game, you know? It, okay. He's why, first of all, if you're playing in a game, why are you being forced to stand for the national anthem? Right? Like, if you don't believe that or you're, you know, you're upset. So there's, they're forcing something on you that's not part of a game. And then you're, you're responding in kind, saying, well, it, it, since we're talking about respect for the flag, right now I feel like we're betraying our democratic values while innocent black people are being gunned down in the streets and we're letting this happen. So I'm going to take a knee for it. And then, and then they just like, well, who the fuck are you? You're just a player. And it's like that mentality is the same kind of elitist bullshit that got us into this place in the, in the first place. What, only certain people qualify to talk about these issues? Maybe the people who are really rich are the only people who qualify, the team owners. Yeah, they're the, <clears throat> they're the ones we should be listening to, not the players, right? Like, I don't know if you heard about, I think her name is Laura Ingram. Um, was talking to LeBron James uh, a few months ago, and he had said something criticizing what was going on. And she told him basically, just shut up and dribble. Do what you do best. What are you doing talking about politics? And it's like, how do you disempower people? You know, how do you take their power away? Well, one way is to tell them that they don't qualify to have an opinion on certain subjects. So if you're poor, and, and I mean, look, you turn on, you go on the mainstream media, you go on to social media, it's everywhere in our culture. If you're, you know, if you're at the bottom end of the social, uh, the socioeconomic scale, like people don't want to hear from you. Like the, the, the news media doesn't want to hear from you. They're not interviewing, um, you know, they're not interviewing immigrants and saying, how are you being treated? Or even teachers. It's not like, hey, what is it like in your schools? Do you ever hear from the teacher's point of view what's going on? No. Because they, they literally tell you, they're like, you're just a teacher. Like, I've heard that several times. So this is like endemic. This is like in so, so steeped in our system in so many levels. It's not just race, right? It's like, it's your, it's where do you feel? It has to do with job classification as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, look, look, it's like, it's like when you play that game, the game of life, right? When you're a kid, I remember, I remember this, and I, I, this used to bother me. I used to fixate on this. Like, and, uh, if you, if you landed on the square, right. It was like, Oh, congratulations. You're a teacher. You make $20,000 a year. And everybody's like, Oh shit, man. Like, I wanted to land on doctor or lawyer. They make 50000 a year. Like, you're being fucking indoctrinated with this stuff when you're a child. Yeah. And no, I, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. I mean, as a custodian, dude, if you think teachers are empowered at the bottom of the totem pole, do you know how it is to be a custodian? I mean, like, as soon as you start, like, voice your opinion, it's like, yo, who are you? You clean the school? Can you just go back to cleaning the school? It's like, get back in your place, bitch. Shut up. 
And I know I know exactly what that's about. And that's why I don't really talk to them. And, um, you know, I'm friendly with everyone. I say hi. I do my thing. But for the most part, like, I don't really have too many uh, conversations. I mean, there's a handful of teachers I actually hang out with outside of, outside of the school environment. And we go to shows together and we go out to dinner together. But generally speaking, like, I'm not in the clique. Because the clique is what you know, that whole, uh, social structure is, where, like, you know, uh, there's the cool kids, and then, you know, there's the losers, just because they're teachers, it hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah, I, it, and it's really sad, and it's, like, people don't even realize they're doing it, but I, I think it's a, I think it's so much a part of our culture, our capitalist culture, and it's not like I'm, like, capitalism is a problem of, you know, it's the root of all evil and all this stuff, I mean, it kind of is, but capitalism in its current form is absolutely horrific, right? I'm not anti-capitalist at every level, but if you look at how business has, has essentially like conditioned us to commoditize, to, to place a, a monetary value on humans, right, is a fucking problem, right? It's like I was, I was watching a documentary called... Uh, black white and us uh by this uh, the director was loki mohan and it was about it was kind of interesting actually uh it was about um people who live in utah utah which is the whitest state right and and they're pretty conservative um but for various reasons they uh, they have more transracial adoptions than any other state in the country meaning they adopt children who are not white uh, oftentimes black children and that's what the documentary was about and I'm watching this and I'm like holy shit like and it's it's about it focuses on four families and what their experience has been and it's it's fucking heartbreaking like you, you these are people who thought that they had some idea of what white privilege was and what racism was until they had black kids and then they actually saw how people responded to them and reacted to them and uh, it was just, I forgot where I was going with that. Where, where do we start this? I just lost my train of thought. Ah, man. We went from so, teachers to stereo cla- to classes to social structure. Right. right. So, the, so what I was talking about was like how people are placing a, a monetary value on human life. And I've kind of been hearing this more and more. And, and in that... Um, in that documentary, it, they talked specifically about that, about this one, one couple said how the social worker, when they were at the court and they were adopting the child, was like, oh, man, you're lucky. You saved, saved yourself five grand by getting that kid. And the guy looks at him like, what are you talking about? Like, because it's not a white kid, because it's a black kid. Black kids are cheaper than all the other kids. So there's actually a monetary value placed on human life. That's a fucking problem. You know what I mean? Like if nothing, if anything in this country says there is a problem with race, it's that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I want a kid, but I want a, bar- I want a bargain shop. So I'm just going to get a black kid. And, you know, and then you hear the point of view of the, the woman at the adoption agency. And she's saying, well, it's a matter of demand. And like, and then you're bringing it into economics. And then when you bring it into economics, it makes sense. And you're like, okay, so less parents who are adopting want to adopt black children, 
So then it makes sense. The price is going to go down. That's basic capitalism, right? Supply and demand. But that's, that's exactly the fucking problem. There are certain points and there are certain things in which capitalism should not extend, right? And it, like capitalism should not be the primary consideration when we're talking about people's health care, right? Capitalism should not be the primary consideration when we're talking about how much a kid's life is worth. And, and unfortunately, I think that we've gotten to the point where our leaders are so, you know, conditioned in that mindset that they actually make political decisions based on economic value. And definitely the CEOs and the billionaires and, you know, the people who are um, paying these politicians, that's how they see the world. They see the world in dollar signs. Right. So if there's a black community, they're like, OK, that's one dollar sign. And then they see the white community like that's five dollar signs. And then they make their business decisions based on that. So you want yeah. to talk about institutionalized racism? Well, there you fucking go. That's the engine that makes it all go. Slavery was not like a system of racism. It was an economic system. Right. And then the continuation and perpetuation of the exploitation of black people since slavery has always been to uh, maintain an economic advantage over people and black people have had it the worst and it's gotten to the point now where obviously the same thing is happening to brown people uh and and the working class and now they're all basically i mean the working class has definitely been under uh, under attack for a long time too but at this point in history um we're on the losing end uh, and when, when you look at it, you know, if you look at the whole picture, you put it all together, you're talking about at least 60% of the population that's getting completely fucking screwed right now and is basically in a crisis. Uh, and it's terrifying. And this is all, you know, it's all connected to the same, the same problem. So how do you fix that, right? It's like the only thing I can think of is, is, is democracy. It's, it's, it's capitalism or it's democracy right it's like somehow they've conditioned us to believe capitalism and democracy go hand in hand right democracy is freedom is political freedom and capitalism is economic freedom so therefore they're naturally they go together and if you want to have a really good you know if you want to have have a really free economic system a really democratic economic system there shouldn't be any regulations at all so Somehow they've convinced people that uh, smaller government and more freedom in the market is somehow equated with freedom and democracy when actually it's the complete fucking opposite. Because when you take off the reins on the economic system, on businesses, they're going to fucking, they're going to go hog wild. The only thing they give a shit about is profit. It's not human life. It's not the environment. It's nothing else. And, then, and, then, and what's happened over time is they've become more and more powerful. And they've actually eclipsed the political structures. And now we have not political tyranny, which the Republicans are so damn terrified of. We have economic tyranny, which I think is actually worse because economic tyranny, they have every tool available to them in the world to exploit and pollute and destroy um, that you could freaking imagine. And not, not to mention building weapons. So we've now gotten to the point where we've lost our democracy and we're living under economic tyranny, corporate fascism, if you will. And now if I say stuff like this, the people who have all been conditioned 
through the mainstream media and all that other stuff, look at me and say, I'm anti-American. But all the solutions these people are proposing for all the problems that we've had are not fucking going anywhere. Two thoughts that I have um, listening to you talk. One, um, you know, I worked at Home Depot for many years. When I was working at Home Depot, they put out Pergament, which was their competitor. So with Pergament going out the first year, we had a huge spike in our sales. So we're just going to throw out a number that I always throw out because it's just easy. Let's say that year we made $40 million in profit in our store in Freeport. It was the best the store has ever done. The following year, we did $38 million, $2 million shy, I remember it was. It was the second best year we ever had. Now all of a sudden they got to cut hours. We're running out of loss. And that's the evil of capitalism, where yeah. the infinite growth. How is that? Uh, how are you running out of loss? Like, imagine you had a deli and your deli made forty million one year, and the next year you made thirty-eight million. You're like, oh, I'm gonna have to start cutting people. We're fucking. I'm losing money. I'm losing right. money. That's absurd to think that that's considered running out of loss because you didn't have that infinite growth and you can't get the stocks higher because you made less in that store. You know, like when you're talking about the economic uh, stranglehold on people. Someone on Instagram. Uh, we don't say can't. Uh, shout out to him. Um, he posted up uh, something about his wife, and he said, um, "You know, he's glad that she's always stuck by him, and she's gonna get a return on the effort that she put in to him." Do, do you follow what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like um, with poor people or people with, that are less unfortunate, the the society as whole doesn't see a return value in investing them. Like, oh, we can invest in them, but they'll probably, they'll probably all just go to shit, so why waste the money there? Let's put it into somebody else. That's exactly what, yes, that's it. So why aren't we trying to raise everybody, you know, to a higher standard? So that are, the lowest standard is someone who's, like, educated and actually can hold, function and hold down a job. Yeah, dude, I, I seen, I've seen parallels in that happen in, in professional basketball, and it, 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 it actually, like, it disgusts me. Like, it's gotten to the point now where, like, you know, you take LeBron James, and I think the stuff he's doing is great right now for the black community. But if you take a guy like LeBron James on a team, it's like everyone else on the team becomes expendable. Nobody matters anymore. It's like it's just him. Yeah, we got LeBron. Just give him the ball. Well, well dude, no, but listen, they did. The Lakers brought LeBron in, and then they ended up, basically giving away the whole team to get one guy that LeBron wanted. And, and you, you know, they didn't get to get rid of the whole team, but I could tell you what, it definitely destroyed the morale of that team in a massive way. And it like, it totally devalued everybody else on the team. And that stuff's been going on for years. And it's like, it's the same kind of mentality, right? Where it's like, what value do you have? And if it's not up here, then it, it doesn't really, it's not important. But if you put it in this perspective, okay, if you invested in uh, everybody, right? If you invested in poor communities and they start to prosper and, you're, and your society becomes more harmonious and you actually start w being more connected to each other, you're going to be happier people. And that is what, you know, that's an end goal that I could definitely jive with. I'd be like very happy about that. Rather than what we have now, which is chasing the money and everybody's fucking angry and miserable and on medication or abusing something 
or doing some yeah. kind of fuck. Like, this is not what it was promised to be, man. This is fucking dystopian for a, a lot of people. Well, if everything's harmonious and everyone's happy and then everyone can see who's fucking you, there's no possible way the politicians can get away with this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> they have to have you fucking mad. They have to keep you divided. And trust me, I've been on all pers- all sides of uh, life's experiences of, you know, pro, against, back to pro, you know? I've mutated a million fucking times. And, uh, you know, it's they definitely want to keep you divided. Dude, I mean, honestly, we could go the the amount of just unjust things that have been taking place in the past few months, let alone years, let alone decades. I mean, it's just staggering. But but the fact that people have been convinced that this is not really a problem, or these things are really not happening, or you know, uh, whatever it is, that that to me is the thing that's just it's like the dagger in the heart because you're like if people acknowledge and saw at least what was going on and and admitted it right like um this this in that documentary i told you about the the, the white parent of the the kid that he adopted the, it was a black kid that he adopted he he was like writing letters to um to a civil rights activist and he was like what can i do what can I do about racism? Like he was like just in despair, right? Like he wanted to help. And the civil rights uh, activists told him, just believe me, that's all I want. Just believe me. Like if we can't do that, then how are we supposed to, nothing else is going to happen, right? If people are just completely, and obviously that's, that's, that's an effect of the, you know, the consolidation of the media. We're under what six corporations now control all the major media networks. Well, look, it's gotten to the point where they have so much control right now. It's like, well, okay, so what, what, what resort do we have, you know, as a society? Like, either lay down and just accept your submissive role, your, your subjugation, your exploitation. You know, accept the fact that you won't be able to take care of your parents or put them in a decent home if they need to go into a decent home, right? Or accept the fact that you're going to be in debt for 25 years, paying off college loans, all while you're struggling to pay your mortgage. Just accept that while people are walking around with like unprecedented amounts of wealth right now in in world history. Like, so you just accept it or you know, organized. So what is it? it's going to be people in the streets looting? Obviously, that's that's going to have limited impact, right? It's not like the the political leaders are going to come out and say, okay, okay, you're right. We were wrong about all of this shit. Let's fix it. That shit's not going to happen, right? Yeah. It's like, how do you have a concerted movement or how do you actually have any kind of actual democracy? Because like I was saying to you before, it's gotten to the point now where we worship capitalism right? Capitalism has replaced religion. Where it hasn't replaced religion, they've, they've married the two. So now you have the Christian right, the fa- Christian fascist right, which has been aligned with, you know, these neoconservatives. Uh, so where they've aligned capitalism with religion, but it's capitalism or it's democracy. And like, 
how many people it feels like right now are willing to literally just throw our democracy in the toilet because they're saving money on taxes. Like, I, I honestly feel like there's a lot of people like, and I'm not talking about like extreme right people. I'm talking about people in blue states who live in the suburbs, live in a house or whatever, where they're relatively well off that are signing up for this, right? Like, yeah, let's trash this democracy. Who cares? Like, if you lose a democracy, it's just a matter of time before everything starts to corrode and collapse. And, and basically, that's kind of where we are right now. So, you know, I, I feel like at this point, the only hope is to, to get our democracy back. And, you know, uh, that, that kind of relates to some of the candidates that are running now. Uh, you know, that's that's basically my hope for our, for our future. You know, I'm turning to alternative, uh, like uh, like the Green Party. Like, I think uh, I'm really going to have to vote along those lines. Um, personally, because, uh, one, I hate uh, hearing anyone tell me that it's a wasted vote. Because I'm voting for what I believe in, and uh, they align the most with my beliefs. So why wouldn't I vote for that and make my opinion heard instead of voting just to try and get Trump out? Because then it's saying that I agree with the Democratic Party and Joe Biden in that direction that the country's going to go in. I don't agree with that, so I have no choice but to vote Green. I just yeah. switched from the Democrats to the Green Party, so I'm 100% in, in agreement with you on that, um, especially since Bernie. Um, did basically sell out to the to the establishment, and then and then you know if you listen to Jimmy Dore, right, he'll definitely get you fired up and disgusted <laughs> with people. And he's talking about how all the progressives have basically sold us out now. And it's like he's, there's like no point in being a part of the Democratic Party. It's like once you're in it, you're just they're gonna they're gonna take you and they're gonna fucking own you, and they're they're not gonna you know they're not gonna represent the people anymore. So like I was like okay well this is bullshit and and you're right everybody says don't vote for a third party is throwing away your vote but then I listened to Howie Hawkins who by the way is running for president of the United States and I'm like God people would like this guy like yeah. have you, have you listened to him yeah yeah he was on Counterpunch he spoke He's awesome. yeah and he actually can finish a sentence which the two current guys can't. All I want you to do, it, it blows my mind. Like when people are like, oh, Biden or Trump. I'm like, listen, if I told my brother I was going to fucking run for president, the first thing he would say is, dude, you can't even fucking finish a sentence. How are you going to run for president? Well, apparently I can now. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, no, Howie Hawkins is, is actually really good. He's articulate. He's down to earth. He's very likable. Uh, he's, he was a, he was a blue collar guy, right? He worked in the unions. I think he worked in a union or he was a union leader. Uh, and then his V his, his VP, Angela Walker, she's actually driving a truck now as they're running. Like she's still working. You know what I'm saying? Like that's fucking amazing. You want to talk about people who are in touch with what's going on? Oh my God. And like, and then he, he makes a really good argument. He said, look, like, you know, well, there's a couple of arguments for the third party uh, thing that I think hold some water. But, um, I mean, look, if they get even 5% of the vote nationally, right, and, it, and then it starts to expand and say up to 
if you're taking 10% of the vote, yeah, sure, maybe you're taking votes from Democrats, but guess what? They're going to have to go left now. And guess what? The Republicans are going to have to go left. That would actually shift the whole fucking, the whole system. And that, and that would just be the start, right? You could build on that from there. So, yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with you, man. I'm hoping um, that's like the next counter move towards a democratic uh, country, you know, is that, uh, you know, you have to shift them, like you said, by going green. And, uh, you know, if that doesn't work, if that's a failure, then, uh, you know, I guess we go back to rioting. And I don't know anything. Like, I'm just telling telling from my ideas, my life experience. After all, I'm a janitor. I only clean toilets. Actually, I'm a custodian. I always got to make that different. But I clean toilets for a living. So don't take anything too personal, too hard, heavy-hearted, what I say. It's just, a, you know, ideas. Dude, but that's, that's see, that, that I, I disagree with because that, that goes along with devaluing people based on their income and their position. And that's not the kind of country I want to live in. That's not the kind of society I want to live in. I want everybody's voice is valuable. That's what we should be working towards. Here come the drums. Story of chicken is gory. 
once again Bass in your face, not an 8-track Getting it good to the woods So the people keep it some of that Reacting to the facts that I can't And it's thick, and it's staying around Point to the joint, put the booter down Go and go and get to the roots And giving it up, so turn me loose Then again I got a story that's harder than a hardcore cost of the Holocaust I'm talking about the world still going on I mean, can't you, you? You're not kidding, man. I mean, I was reading uh, this book by Chris Chris Hedges uh, about um, the American illusion, the decline of literacy. I forgot the full title of it, uh, but it's about the decline of literacy and the illusion of America, basically. And he wrote this book in 2009, right after the financial crisis, you know, in the recession, 2008, and it was so dire what he was saying. He was so outraged at how the politicians basically just gave all the money to, to Wall Street and said, here you go. And, you know, the way he's talking about it, he's like, this, this, this kind of unfair distribution of wealth, it's so blatant. It's so appalling, right? Like our system is, 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 it's done. Like basically that's kind of the sentiments that he had. And I'm reading this and I'm like, holy shit. This wasn't even close to what just happened. And he's, he's talking about it as though it was such a horrific um, shift of power, right? Like theft of power from like the working class and the middle class to the wealthy in 2000, you know, the years following 2008, how, how horrific and, and imbalanced it was. And I'm like, oh my God, if you compare that to the, the CARES Act that they just passed and the $5 trillion they just threw at Wall Street from the, from the get-go and the fact that they still haven't really helped people other than the stupid $1,200 check that they threw out as a bone just to keep people quiet. Um, they've done nothing significant that's going to save people. And if you compare, I heard a statistic, it was something like 80, 82% of the people who received money during this recent recovery, during the pandemic, make a million dollars a year or more, 82%. Like, oh my God, what is literally what is happening to this country? So like, I'm, I'm, I'm very scared about what's going to happen. I mean, I, I saw in the news, what, two days ago, Trump is talking about how, oh, people are, the employment's up, like this is, we, we did it, you know, congratulations. Yeah. And yeah. it's what the fuck? What are you talking? There was 40 million people were unemployed. 
And I mean, there's still, these people are still unemployed. I mean, some of them went back to work, but a lot of them are still unemployed. You know what I I mean? It's like, what? It's just fucking lying. This is like an imaginary economy where like they just point to the stock market and then who cares about all these people that have no jobs or future, right? The stock market's doing pretty well. Yeah, no shit. Threw $5 trillion into it. Listen to the knowledge I give. Cocaine business controls America. 
should go travel into a neighborhood where people are, are you know a lower socioeconomic neighborhood um like for example my students like a lot of my students have had family members get sick die like you know what i mean like this is like the different it's like two different worlds are happening at the same time i got friends on facebook posting pictures of them and their family on a sunny beach you know and then in the other world um grandma's in the hospital mom's working in uh, mom's works in the hospital and she's deathly afraid that she's gonna get get the virus so she doesn't talk to me anymore and i haven't seen my mom for two months like this is the other world right and then and then you throw into that these people the right where they're coming out and saying that this stuff is is made up like that there is no real that the virus is a hoax and it's just like you're fucking it hurts your brain now right about now, we get ready to live larger than this beat We get ready to live larger than this beat So I want everybody in the house to help me count this beat down Yo, later for that, we ain't count down nothing No I'm saying, we ain't got to count down nothing So if the beat is too large for that No I'm saying, the beat is too large When I get down I give a door around and when I cough, I do my best to cut it off I don't claim to be a preacher and I paid to be a teacher but I'm grown I try to be a leader to the bone Never could follow a man with a bottle He's a baby with a beard and not a fierce role model And they ask me where I get it I got it from my pops with a man in the house And all the bullshit stops Then I sing a song about what the hell is going wrong You never know if you only trust a TV and a radio These days you can't see who's in cahoots Cause now the KKK wear three-piece suits It's like that y'all, it's like that y'all In fact you know what's like like that, yeah, that's right, straight from Big Town, boy. You know what I'm saying? Free part of life. Both of on the map, you know what I'm saying? I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you enjoyed those little extra tidbits I threw in there. Um, they didn't really fit the podcast, but uh, I just thought they were interesting things to add. Um, I'll put some links to uh, Counterpunch Radio, where you can hear... An interview with Howie Hawkins from the Green Party. And I will put a link to the Jimmy Dore Show. And once again, all the links to the music will be there in the notes. Thank you, everyone. Worldwide, BDP are the freshest. Worldwide, 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 worldwide. worldwide. The crew is called BDP, and if you wanna go to the tip top, 
stop the violence in hip-hop Why-o? Time and time again as I pick up the pen As my thoughts submerge, these are those words I glance at the paper to know what's going on Someone's doing wrong, the story goes on Mary Lou just had a baby, someone else decapitated The drama of the world shouldn't keep us so frustrated I look, but it doesn't coincide with my books Social studies will not speak upon political crooks It's just the presidents and all the money they spent All the things they invent and how the house is so immaculate They create missiles while families eat bristle Then they get upset when the press blows the whistle Phone calls are made, profiles are kept low You tamper with some jobs, not a press's control Not only news but every single station You only get to hear the president is on vacation But uh, stay calm, there's no need for alarm You say goodbye to your mom and you're off to Vietnam You shoot the kill, come back and you're a veteran But how many veterans are out there peddling? There's no telling, cause they continue selling As quiet as it's kept, I won't go into depth You could talk about Nigeria, people used to laugh at you Now I take a look, I see USA for Africa? Sometimes I call my hair on, sometimes 